Bucks Nation, the podcast representing the best fans in college football. Now, here's Tyler and Jerry. What's going on, Buffs Nation? This is another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast. I'm Tyler Walgie. He is Jared All to my right. Jared, coming off a big win. Buffs got to four this year. How you feeling? Can you just feel that weight fall <laughs> off your shoulders, Tyler? They finally get to four for you. I can feel that weight because I had my massive season-long total bet on CU over four. But hey, we're one step closer to making this a season that's not you know, the terrible memory. You get a win. You end things right. All we've been saying for a few weeks is we want to see CU make improvements week by week, and I don't think there's any doubt in the world that Colorado improved. They played a good, solid, complete game. I don't care if they only scored 16 points. It was enough to get the win. Colorado improves to 4-6 and six on the year with a 16-13 homecoming win over the Stanford Cardinal. All right, Jared, first thoughts, first initial impressions. It was great. What beautiful day, mid seventies. Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker, rocking the shorts again. I wish I was rocking the shorts. I was <laughs> no. dying out there, man. <laughs> I was too. And you know, my seats. I'm right there in the sun up until about two and a half minutes left in the game. That sun was beaming down, a relentless sun. But you know what? You, you, when you're a CU football fan, you do what needs to be done. You stick it out. You don't complain about the sun. It's great weather, right? I'm not going to be complaining now, come into the podcast and say, oh, Jared, the damn sun was in my eyes. You know what? It was a great day. I had an amazing time up there. CU got the win. What else could What else could you ask for? From a, from a complete personal standpoint, I actually would love to see that it was warm weather because, as you know, uh, most of our listeners don't know, but I, I shaved down about nine inches of beard yeah. over the last couple weeks. So I was a little bit worried we were going to show up to 30 degree weather and I was going to be freezing out on the old chin. It was there, more than so. nine inches, man. It, it was long. You it had was a long. Well over a year that I went. You could have been Santa for Christmas. That's what you should have done, I, man. You could have made some extra I money. I bad timing on growing it. You know, you, yeah. you grow it out all summer long and then I cut it down just before winter. Plus, I wasn't going to say anything, Jared, but looks like you've been indulging a little bit on the snacks lately. <laughs> I know. (laughs) This has been hidden for like five years. Who knew there was a double chin under there, man? You could have made some extra extra dough this year. You've gone to Park Meadows Mall, been the Cherry Creek Mall, been there. Santa Claus, but uh, hey, I digress. If the listeners out there can't feel it, I certainly can in here. Tyler, there is a whole different energy in the studio today. It's just amazing what that victory will do for you. Coming out of the weekend, feeling so much better going into the rest of the season. And it's amazing amazing what one week can do to your football team. I mean, they looked so pathetic. I'll say pedestrian. (laughs) I almost said a different P word. Yeah, I might go there. 31-14 was the loss against UCLA, right? The week before that, they looked pretty good against USC, 35-31. The week before that, 41-10 against Washington State. So an inconsistent football team. And like the famous quote in the office, you started to think that this season was just going to be... Not everything's a lesson, Ryan. Sometimes you just fail. But you know what, Jared? The lesson has been learned. And I think Mel Tucker's message finally got across. Now, I do want to be careful here. Because in some of these games, you lose by 5 to Arizona. You lose by 4 to USC. It's not like Mel Tucker's message was just not gotten then. If a couple things go right, they win the game. And the narrative is suddenly completely different. And it's it's funny, isn't it? What a W and an L will do next to any game that you seemingly could have won or lost, right? It, it's amazing, the the up feelings, the, the, the positivity compared to the negativity. And I really don't think CU 
was as bad as their record or maybe people thought nationally they were. We knew how good this team could be. It's just a matter of playing a complete game, getting everybody to buy in. And I think we see that. I thought we saw that from the Buffs this weekend. Offense, defense. I know we said, I know they only scored 16 points. That's fine. I don't care. Montez didn't look that bad. I mean, I, I, were, I was sitting by some people that thought every mistake was Montez's fault. Trust me, the guy behind me, oh, come on. It could have been a, a defensive play. And he would have gone, oh, Montez, what are you doing? I'm going, come on, man. Give the kid a break. I thought there was not a lot to complain about coming away from that game. Now, let's start here, Jerry. The one thing that you've said for a lot of the season, I've started to come around the last couple weeks, it was the coaching staff, and it was the play calling. I was very thrilled with the play calling, not just throughout the game, but in key situations. That big fourth down at the end of the game, you had to have it, you're driving. Who do they give the ball to? LaVisca Chenault on the jet sweep, and he gets the first down. Did you go back and see? I know you were live watching the game. Have you gone back and seen that replay? No. He absolutely just barrel rolls over that guy to gain the extra three yards. I mean, we, we talked about last week, scouts that, that are looking at LaVisca Chenault as a running back. That's why. I mean, he got the ball. That guy was in his way, and it was like four yards before that guy even could could drag a shoelace down of LaVisca Chenault. Well, so, I, I, big time play from our boy there. I read a quote from David Shaw, the head coach of the Stanford Cardinal after the game, and he was just, uh, I guess, showing respect is the best way to put it. He just kept saying, number two, man, the heck are we supposed to do? We tried to tackle him. We tried to wrap him up. We tried. He's like, we tried. What do you want me to do out there? I can't go tackle him. Like, that was David Shaw's sentiment, and it's got to be frustrating as the other team to face Chenault. That's just what the Buffs haven't done so far this year. Jared, I know you mentioned a national outlet last week, and on that outlet was a scout, and the scout was saying... It's so frustrating to watch the Buffs because they don't get their best player of the ball. Well, I think they solved that this weekend, and they didn't feed, they didn't force feed Chenault, but they got it to him when it mattered the most. Maybe that's the most important thing, is picking your timing with LaVisca. And, and, and don't be afraid to utilize him as a decoy at times, but then, like you said, when it's a key down, key moment, I don't care if the whole stadium knows he's getting the ball on fourth down, you give him the ball anyways, because you know he's the one that you trust most to, to make plays. And it wasn't just LaVisca Chenault in this game. We've talked a lot about Alex Fontenot and the importance he has in this offense. And, and they really leaned on him in this game. 18 carries, 95 yards, averaged 5.3 yards per carry. I think their game plan was clear early on. They weren't going to be flat they weren't going to try to make it spectacular. They just knew feed the ball to your best players and make and play mistake-free football. And I think we saw the success from them. They understood how to approach this game and really beat this beat Stanford at their own game. Yeah, Alex Fontenot obviously coming back with a little bit of extra rest. Now let's not classify it as simply rest because he was out of the uh, what was it the game uh, USC U- UCLA game? the UCLA game. Thank you concussion protocol. So he wasn't playing that game for concussions. So he was a little bit healthier this game coming back. And you could tell. I mean, he looked very good. He had 18 carries. You mentioned uh, Jaron Mangum having 11. And and quickly, before we move off Chenault, a little bit more clarification on the injuries. They're saying now it's a deep thigh injury. And I also heard knee. So depending on the uh, resource you're reading here, it's right there in that middle part of the leg. Should we just go hockey? He's he's got a lower (laughs) Lower body injury. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But... I mean, those thigh injuries, those deep thigh bruises can be tough, so you understand. And there, there's folks that make no bones about it. It's a very known thing that for the Buffs, for the Alabama Crimson Tide, for the Stanford Cardinal, for Oregon, for Texas, for everybody in between, there's a game being played through the season 
And these coaches are well aware that these guys are going to go to the NFL or they're aware of which guys are going to go to the NFL. And so if LaVisca Chenault Jr. was not an NFL prospect and he's not going on to the next level and there's no real you know, risk of anything long-term, I'm sure he would be playing more recently. It's a very real thing that Mel Tucker and company, Mel Tucker and his coaching staff, they know LaVisca Chenault's future. They know that recruits are looking at Colorado saying, how are they treating Chenault when he's hurt? How are they treating Fontenot when he's when he got banged up the week before? And this coaching staff, while being tough, while preaching toughness relentless, is still saying, hey, the one thing we care about the most is the, the health of our players. And we're not going to put any player in harm's way. So, Jared, I like how they're using, hey, I like what, they, what that message says to the recruits. And we'll talk more about uh, recruits on today's show. Some big signings recently for the Buffs. Some good news in the recruiting, uh, kind of the recruiting side of things. But it's great that they're using Chenault in, in, in timely times, right? Uh, timely times. You like that? Eight receptions, not too much, not not force feeding him. Like I said, what do you have? One carry. You you pick the exact right time in the game to give it to him. So I'm really happy with the coaching staff. I'm glad we finally have an idea what's going on with Chenault. But overall, not a whole lot for me to complain about in that game, Jared. No, and and like you said, I, I think the the coaching staff really deserves credit for coming in with a good game plan. It just, I, I think we talked about it going into last week's game. We really liked this matchup. We saw some opportunities, and you just saw the coaching staff on both sides of the ball really take advantage of it. And I, I actually think the story of this game it was not the offense, but it was the defense. Right. Let's I think talk this about is the them. first time we've seen all year the CU defense go out and win this game. That that was ninety nine percent of this game was won on the defensive side of the ball. It was it was the field possession game. It was you know holding them to to a long field goal that they ended up missing. You know things like that. So you, you really saw some successes the first time the Buffs kept a team under thirty points this year, and it was well under thirty points. Really, there was no offense to speak of. There was one eighty yard touchdown pass for, for Stanford. Aside from that, they really had nothing going all game long. And if I would have guessed before the game, I would have guessed more points, more higher scoring. You're going to see both teams going up and down the field. But when it became a defensive game, I'm not going to lie, I had some hesitation. It's, can we really hold them? Because we talked about this on last week's show, Jared. In college football, in high school football, in the NFL, you have to learn how to win games, learn how to close games out. And that's something that CU did this weekend. They took a step in the right direction, learning how to close this thing out, learning how to win. It was 10-6 going into halftime. Guess what the score was going into the fourth quarter? 10-6. So it was a close game. CU had to battle back. And I'll be the first, again, after Stanford scored that fourth quarter touchdown. I thought it was over. <laughs> I, I did. I, I was just got You got to be kidding me. Pick not up, again. Pick up 13-10. And you start to wonder, and you start to play the scenarios out in your head, and we've seen this before, but how positive and how much does it say about this team and this coaching staff that they didn't let that get to them, they came back, scored, scored again, game-winning field goal, by the way, from Kerry Price, who came in, I mean, talk about pressure. Uh, yeah, is he, he's a freshman still. It seems like he's been there for a long time. Is I don't quite understand that. They listened. That. That's what they kept saying. The, the announcers kept calling him out as a freshman. <laughs> but good to see. You know, Stefano is down with a, a hip injury right now, and and that's a tough one, man. It's it's one thing to come out and handle kickoff duties, maybe a couple extra points, but I think he hit what three field goals on the day, including one that with, with ice in your veins, man. You gotta you gotta have that to nail that kick. So so good for Price coming in there making a big play. God, you know, I'm looking right now through the... This is so unfortunate, man. I'm looking now through all the sound effects. I know in here I've got the 
Matthew McConaughey. Man, the one thing is I get older, they stay the same age. That, <laughs> how, do, how do I not find that right now for uh, Price? Because like we say, it seems like he's been there forever, but they say he's the freshman. I digress. It was it was solid for him to come in. And it what, a 37-yard kick? That's no gimme. No. That's not a gimme. So for him to come in and get the game-winning f- field goal, by the way, the, the last time CU had a game-winning field goal as time expired at home, 2007 win over Oklahoma. That takes you back to the way back train there, doesn't it? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Was that back when the Buffs were still in the Big 12? Oh, yeah. 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 And I think that was that upset win over number one OU, 27-24 yeah, yeah. yeah. that, that year, something like that, if if my memory serves me right. But uh, I digress. See who gets the big win off of that kick. And no one knows. If it goes to overtime, no guarantees there. So CU does whatever they have to do to get the win last week at home, homecoming against Stanford. While we have a bye week coming up. So what we're going to do, the structure of today's show, we're going to you know talk briefly about last week's game, talk some recruiting before wrapping up what should be a, a slightly shorter show today. A week off, and then the Buffs host Washington. Now, without getting too ahead of ourselves, we had said Stanford was probably the most winnable game in, at the end of the schedule for the last three games. Washington is slowly looking more and more like a beatable team. Before the season started, they were picked to potentially win the conference. Now they're trying to get to a bowl game. Well, they're say, I think they have six wins, but still, they're floating right around the edge of being able to get to a bowl game. This could be a winnable game on November 23rd in Boulder. Now, I said we're not going to get too ahead of ourselves, but it's looking more and more like Washington could be beatable. And we talked a lot about the importance of this game against Stanford for, for this season, for next season. I think this was a huge game for Mel Tucker. We talked about the big impact on recruiting. Needed a win, getting everybody back on board, you know, listening and hearing and understanding Mel Tucker's message. But I, I do think, to, to the point you just made there, that I think Mel Tucker needed to prove to his team and to this fan base that this season isn't over. Right. And, and I know a bowl game is still a long shot, but it's not out of the question. Two games left, two wins needed. And, and, and Washington, as you mentioned, has been a very inconsistent team, losing to worse teams than, than, than CU, oh, yeah. including this Stanford team the Buffs just beat. So CU absolutely can go out there, and, and, and actually they get them at home, so you get an environment that, that you can really, as fans, show up and influence the game. I think there's no reason why, if the Buffs can continue to play better and better football, they cannot be in these games as they go down the stretch. Utah's going to be a tougher one. That that We'll worry about that one when you get yeah, there. Exactly. Just go get the <laughs> W here yeah. first, yeah. and then you have something to play for in that last game. You can't win two in a row without winning the first one, right? And That's that what they... we call a winning <laughs> Exactly. So <laughs> We'll talk more about that Washington game coming up next week. Jared, you alluded to the recruiting. Uh, and we'll, and we'll, like I said, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But last weekend was a huge recruiting trip, and I mentioned it on last week's podcast. This Stanford game was the single game in the 2019 schedule where you were having all kinds of different recruits from all different places in the country coming to Boulder. few reasons why it was such a great weekend. The weather, okay? I don't care whether you're from Texas, Florida, Mississippi, Maine, Michigan, Oregon, New Mexico, or Colorado. That weekend was a perfect, P-E-R, perfect weekend to have these guys on. I don't know if it's not consistent, if we're not always going to get that on the second weekend of November. Hint, hint, we're probably not, folks, going to get that that early in the year. Yeah, I think we're looking at like 40-degree weather right now for that. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So that's going to be the average. But the thing is, 
it was good to, to, to have that, right? Right. It, it only helps when the, when the recruits come out and it's great weather, everyone's feeling good, everyone's outside. If it would have been a foot of snow, you're telling me that doesn't rob an 18-year-old kid a little bit the wrong way, maybe a little bit the wrong way? Well, and you and I are both born and, bra- born and raised in, in Colorado, so we've experienced this our whole life. But when you whenever you talk to people from outside of the state of Colorado, there is a bit of a, a misconception of... of the weather you get in Colorado. They think it's all snow. People think that you're getting crazy snow. So some of these guys from the southeast, some of these guys from even up north where they're typically getting snow in the Michigans, the Illinois, the Massachusetts, where they're getting dumped on with snow this time of year, they, they come out here and go, wait, wait, what? Yeah, you exactly. guys get 75-degree weather in the middle of November? And, and it's not that we're trying to trick anybody and say, hey, here's how, here's how it is. But it, it's that they it can open their eyes and they say, oh, it's not all snow all the time. Oh, it is a little bit different here. And we know how it is, Jared. Yeah, we're in the Rockies. It can get chilly. You know, I mean, uh, hey, third final game of the season and that's the weather we got. I'm not going to complain, but it's a very positive thing if you look at the recruits, the people coming from out of the country or from out of the state and what it means kind of. Hey, we do have one coming from out of the country here when we get to our recruiting list. One one more Aussie to, to add in there. A little bit down on day. <laughs> So a lot of people from out. So the, the the weather helped. The fact that the stadium was full helped. They look around. I and was say, very excited. To me see. too. I know man. it was homecoming, and that's usually a big one for for parents and still, alumni to go still. out. Big this time to a, see that. This is this a three time. and six football team. It could have been easy for a lot of ticket holders to to sell their tickets to not show up. It was packed, even up. And in the little nooks and crannies where you don't usually get too many people sitting, that stadium was full. So the weather was good, the full stadium was good, and how's it hurt to lose, right? You always want to see a team you're potentially on go and get the win. And I really think it means something, last thing here, that the recruits saw the dancing afterwards. A lot of people on social media criticized it. Oh, wow, it's a 4-6 and six football team. Look how happy they are. That goes so much deeper than one win. Okay, that is a team that should have had more wins this season. They were hungry for success. They finally got it. Let the kids celebrate. Let the coaching staff celebrate. They completely deserve it. And for all the loudmouths on Twitter saying or Facebook saying that's too much, we're going to ignore them right now, Jared, because these recruits, that mattered a lot for them. If you're a 17, 18-year-old kid and you see a team like that, you want to be a part of that. So everything from the weather to the full stadium to the win to the celebration afterwards all positives if you're a recruit, young recruit in Boulder this weekend, which there were a lot of, just under 10 if I believe. Big weekend for the recruits, Jared. And I got to give you some credit, Tyler. You were really the first person that that really turned me on to the name Antonio Alfano. Antonio Alfano, the biggest recruit in years for the Buffs. We'll talk about him coming up after this commercial break. Special thanks to the Wise Listing System team. If you are moving, it doesn't matter whether it's a mansion, normal size house, condo, apartment, whatever it is, let your moving, let, let, the, let the professionals take care of it, right? Sit back and let the pros handle it. The Wise Listing System team online at paymyfirstmonth.com and they'll do just that for you. They'll pay your first month's mortgage because we all know how much money it can take to move, right? Not just the actual act of moving and maybe the moving company if you're moving, but there's little things here, little costs you never really think of that you get nickeled and dimed on, not by any one company, but just by the process of moving. Well, the Wise Listing System team can help all of you, A, by making the entire process easier and seamless, but B, by paying that first month's mortgage. And how much would it help if you could spend on other things knowing your first month's mortgage was taken care of? Online at paymyfirstmonth.com. Tell me you heard about them right here on the Buffs Nation podcast. 
Also want to give a shout out to topnotchodds.com. If any of you out there are looking for uh, websites to place your college football bets, I highly recommend topnotchodds.com. They're trusted, easy to use website to uh, place any bets in any sport. And if you enter code SHARPEDGE, enter the promo code SHARPEDGE, you can get up to a 200% deposit bonus. So if you put 100 bucks on a website and you use this bonus code, all of a sudden, before you know it, you'll have $300 in your account with very low rollovers so you can get your money out. Online, topnotchodds.com. Enter promo code SHARPEDGE. Oh, Jared, the weather outside is... Slightly frightful, but it's getting a little bit better out there. Yeah, it's snowing today, but it was great this weekend. In mid-70s for homecoming, CU gets a 16-13 win over the Stanford Cardinal, and the Buffs have the week off. So a nice week to regroup. It's great, good for some injuries. I think it's a perfect time after that win, right? You don't want to buy a week after a loss to wallow in that, that bad taste in your mouth. You get the big win, get on the bye week. So Jared and I are going to save the Washington prep and preview for next week's show. And on today's podcast, we're going to talk about some of these recruits who are potentially coming to Boulder next year. Now, we mentioned what a big weekend that was for some of the recruits. And right before our break, Jared had said the five-star Antonio Alfano coming to Boulder. That's right. Tyler, you turned us all on to him last week. And uh, I think by the time our... uh Welcome to town, Antonio. By the time our listeners heard the, the podcast, he had already made his commitment to the <laughs> Buffaloes. So you were a little bit ahead of everybody, and, and he kind of slipped under the radar for a lot of people. And, and I'm actually very surprised. This is a guy, five-star recruit, uh, a defensive end, listed at six foot four, 285 pounds, was one of the top guys, depending on what ranking system you're listen, li- looking at. He's one of the top three or four players in the country in the 2019 rankings, committed to Alabama, had some personal stuff going on in his life, had to uh, walk away from the team this year, and he's now looking to transfer and has made a commitment to Colorado Buffalo. So this is a big one, guys. Five-star recruit. First five-star to roll through here in many, many years. Yeah, it's almost a decade, over a decade, something like that. I mean... In Mel Tucker's first year, the fact that he could pull Antonio Alfano from an Alabama team, by the way, Alfano's top three schools when he was leaving high school, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia. So this kid can play. He's a five-star, as Jared said, coming to Boulder. He's going to make an immediate impact on the field, but it's not just the X's and O's. It's what this means as a, as a team. You now are setting the standard. Look, if you want to if you want to play high level football, you can come to Boulder, Colorado and achieve that high level football and make it to the NFL. I think it's also helped that in the last couple of years, some of uh, uh, Mike McIntyre's guys yep. have gone to the NFL. That's right. And have been drafted and have had real success. That helps when you hear the Cheeto Wouziers last night on Monday Night Football, former Buffalo. That all helps, but there's nothing that helps more then your head coach getting his hands dirty, being one of the lead recruiters, and getting Antonio Alfano to come in. We know what a great recruiter Darren Shiverini can be, and that's one of the main reasons he's on the staff. But this was a Mel Tucker recruit, and this was all, I want to say, mostly on Mel. And I, I, I like that you point that out because I had a conversation with some, some good friends of mine, actually the, the guys I, I share my season tickets with, and we were talking about that. I really think what we're seeing and, and what, what this signing with Antonio Alfano tells me is just how crucial and critical Mel Tucker was as a recruiter 
for Georgia, for Alabama yeah. before that, Good for point. these other teams. I think he's one of the driving forces for the recruiting for them. You can see it already. You, you, most coaches don't make the, 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 the jump from southeast to the west coast and immediately pull guys with him. Usually it takes some success, him proving to these guys, hey, we are winning over here. You do want to come over here. And and you just look at this, this breakdown and the commitment so far by state. First state leading uh, Texas. Six guys Buffs have committed from Texas. We know that. That's a big-time recruiting spot. That's Darren Cheverini's kind of home bed. That's where he hits a lot of guys. California, we know that's another big one. But look at the rest of them after that. Florida, two guys committed. Georgia, two guys committed. Mississippi, two guys committed. Illinois, Louisiana, Alabama. These are states Colorado never touched. And already in one season, Mel Tucker is getting there and getting top guys from that area because – and Tony Alfano was not the only guy that's committed. Already today, Tyler, two more commitments have come through. Uh, the, the first one being a four-star out of New Orleans, Louisiana, running back Ashad Clayton. So we get okay. a five-star and a four-star coming out of this weekend, both guys coming from the southeast. Huge from Mel Tucker. And Ashad did commit today. He did commit today. Wow, okay. Okay, yeah, because I have him here on my list, but I, I did not know that as of today, November 11th, he's committed. So that's exciting. Four-star out of uh, L.A. That's, that's or uh, excuse me, New Orleans. Yes. <laughs> L.A. <laughs> I know, I, I see know that it still gets me every time. New uh, Orleans, L.A., yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, I, look, I don't want to stereotype here, but uh, I'll take some hard workers out of New Orleans than the... Those soft LA boys all day. We've yeah. seen what USC and UCLA are looking no, like recently. No <laughs> doubt about it. And 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 to give everybody their their, their due here, the third guy that we had uh, committed to the Buffs this weekend is Torin Pittman. He is an outside linebacker, three star out of Frisco, Texas. He's he's listed six foot three, one hundred ninety pounds. And I don't know, Tyler, if you're looking at the the, the same rankings I'm looking at that have the pictures, but. This dude don't look like somebody you want to mess with, man. I'll tell you what, I would not want to stand up across from this guy. So Torin Pittman, another guy committed to the bus. Uh, it's a big one, Tyler, and I think these are having big impacts early on. Well, and Torin Pittman, the, the main school uh, recruiting against CU was Arkansas. So um, I, I think that's pretty positive. I mean, Arkansas is an SEC school. But right now, if you look at CU and Arkansas in their divisions or in their conferences, pretty much the same. So you can tell the pitch was there for Colorado. And I think players feel like they can be a part of the team coming in. Overall, the 76th linebacker in the nation. So uh, you can see where he gets his ranking. But I think he can definitely elevate once he gets in this system. Uh, for, for the buffs. So those two signings today, uh, correct, Jared? That is correct, yes. On the 11th. Shaw, Clayton, and uh, Torin Pittman. All right, so let's look at a couple other guys who are looking at uh, coming to the buffs or have already committed to CU. Uh, Jared, no other four stars that I have on my list. Am I incorrect that? No, that's there? correct in what I'm seeing. Everyone else across the board, three stars. Okay. Let's start off with uh, uh, Brendan Lewis. Now, Brendan Lewis, dual-threat quarterback, We've been talking about him now for a few weeks. Is he the guy who can come in and play immediately? I've heard a lot of people mention young quarterbacks coming in. And just for those who uh, are new to the show, who, who aren't exactly sure about, um, Jared is the NFL draft expert, and he's kind of the, the recruiting guy too. So we go to Jared with all of our post-college and pre-college spe uh, specialty stuff. I, I'm, just, I'm just a uh, NCAA college football 
for for EA Sports. That that, <laughs> yeah, that right? whole realm, you know, recruiting guys, bringing them in, winning, and sending them off to the pros. That's that's my expertise. <laughs> okay, a spot for you on the staff <laughs> is what they need. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm kind of surprised I haven't gotten any calls yet. I was really really hoping that would come through this year. Uh, but to, to to touch on Brandon Lewis, he he is one that I'm really excited about. I think it's going to be very telling next year where the Buffs as an offensive staff, what direction they decide to go. And, and a lot will depend on how ready he is to take on. I mean, he's been very successful. He's coming out of uh, Melissa, Texas. So he's been playing big-time uh, high school football, but it's a different transition going into to college football. So let's see how he comes in and adjusts. But when you look at the quarterbacks on the roster going into next year for the Buffs, the two guys mainly that we know of, and that's uh, Tyler Lytle and that's Blake Stentrum. Both guys, while good athletes, are more of your traditional pocket passers. Brendan Lewis comes in as a true dual-threat quarterback. So I think it will be very telling the direction they want to go with this offense based on how realistic of a chance they give Brendan Lewis to win this job. I think if they have him competing neck-and-neck with the two quarterbacks on the roster, I think that tells you that is a direction that they want to go with this roster to go more to the dual-threat you know, running quarterbacks in the system. Do you think that's Mel Tucker? You think that's this this uh, offensive coaching staff? Is that Shiverini? Uh, I, 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 that'll be telling. I, I don't know that answer right now because right now I think they inherited a, a, a quarterback in Steven Montez that you knew what you were getting, and so I think you sort of built what offense you brought in around that. And so I think if you see a very similar style offense, maybe him still being more of a traditional passer, I think it's going to be more, hopefully, in my, my opinion, I'd love to see a little bit more of Jay Johnson's kind of fingerprint onto this, this team as we move forward forward as the offensive mastermind so to speak here so I, I i hope that it is jay johnson that we're seeing more of his offenses come through as we move forward next year all right sticking on the offensive side brendan rice wide receiver out of chandler arizona hamilton high school very very uh popular high school in terms of i was just gonna say very recruits. underrated yeah across the country people don't really think chandler arizona but there's some big time recruits including uh i believe the number one recruit uh last year who's the kid that the quarterback uh at oklahoma now and i'm just slipping oh, I, on his I, name but he was the number one recruit last year uh quarterback out of chandler arizona uh, Brendan Rice is 6'2". I mean, he's going to be able to develop. He actually only committed a few weeks ago, mid, mid-October. He announced he was going to come play it in uh, Colorado. So um, receiver, running back, quarterback, and you know you have to win up front. The offensive line, offensive tackle, Jake Ray out of uh, Marietta, Georgia, Marietta High School. He's a three-star. He committed last year. So he's already going to come to the buffs. I think that Mel Tucker coming didn't have a whole lot to do with him signing. But it's funny because you hear guys or you see their Twitter or what they're doing and saying since Mel Tucker got hired. I've not seen one recruit, Jared, put off by the hiring of Mel Tucker or discouraged from the hiring of Mel Tucker. This is very, folks, this is common that when a college gets a new coach, a lot of the recruits jump ship. It's a new coach, new sit. Nobody is showing signs of distaste for Mel, Mel Tucker or this new coaching staff. So Jake Ray, 6'5", 290, big kid out of Georgia. And again, one of those Southern recruits you talk about bringing in, he's going to be big for this team. So so I like the offensive uh, contributions. Also, Chris Carpenter, receiver out of uh, Jacksonville, Texas. So 
Yeah, you want to talk some big boys, Tyler. There's a couple other uh, commitments here the Buffs have uh, for offensive linemen. Um, they got uh, the, the the one recruit that, that has committed right now out of Colorado is Carson Lee. He's going to school at Cherry Creek High School right now. He's an offensive center, which is great, a guy coming in with that experience at center. A lot of times, oftentimes, those guys are moved to guard, but it's good good when guys have that experience coming in. He's listed at six foot three. 320 pounds <laughs> that is a big boy for a That's high schooler need. and he is nothing in size compared to and i am so sorry i'm gonna apologize to this gentleman before i even go there because it's a tough <laughs> one this is gerard lichtenhan yeah, coming out of, of davis senior california listed at six foot eight and a half 345 pounds. <laughs> Woo! That's a big boy. Uh, offensive tackle, again, out of Davis, California. He's a three-star recruit. Hey, I'll take that raw size. He ranks pretty far down there when you look at positional rank and, and, and within the state of uh, California. But we know that big-time recruits come out of there. We've seen plenty of two- and three-star guys coming out of those places that end up being great players for you. So I'm very excited. I think it's a trend. We've seen going from last year, coming in through this year. Ever since Mel Tucker took over, his biggest thing that he has pushed is size, length, Bulk. We want guys that can come in day one and compete at the college level, and I think we're seeing that come through with last year's recruits and again this year with the recruits we're getting committed now. No, I'm very, very pleased with this list right now. Um, we're on the offense still. Do you have anybody you want to add offensively? They're deep at receiver. I mean, I'm just scrolling up and down this list. There's about four, five, six receivers already committed to the buffs. So that we know that's Darren Chevrini's specialty. He's really created this into a you know wide receiver you. I think we continue to have the success we've seen from guys like LaVisca Chenault, from you know Paul Richardson before him. There's plenty of talent coming through here at the wide receiver position. So very excited. Excited there, and, and last guy I want to point out because those of us who have been Buffs fans for a long time should know this name. That's Caleb Fourier. Yeah. He, he, he is, uh, I believe it's the son of Christian Fourier. So he's a tight end, just like his pops, and uh, coming out of uh, uh, Massachusetts where his dad played for uh, New England for many, many years. So they, they're living up there. But that was kind of a late um, after last season. It was one of the first commitments after the, 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 the signing period last year ended. He signed very early for the bus going in for the 2020 recruiting class. Yeah, he can play really vertical. He can yes. block. He's, he's more of a receiver. Five. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Caleb, uh, that, that's huge, man. I love it. I love yeah, it. Right? And that's just something that's Keep so big. You know how much it bugs me right now looking, and I see one commitment from Colorado on this list. And I know yeah. Foray is not yeah. from Colorado, but he has those ties. You have to get those guys to have well, ties here. But that's also true. Is Some of the top recruits in the state still opting to go elsewhere. That's going to change the next few years when people see the hey, – look, I don't – I wouldn't blame any parents out there if you're, if you're going to have your – your your son go play somewhere else. I mean, CU for the last couple of years, and and we can actually maybe rewind past last couple of years. Hadn't been churning players into the NFL. You hadn't been developing guys at a good rate. But I even think back the last few years to the McIntyre days. It's a better, more attractive place to come. You wonder if Mel Tucker is going to focus. Here's my question. It's important, and Mel Tucker said it when he got hired. It's important to keep guys in state, but does CU reach a point where their threshold of talent exceeds what's in state? Obviously, you want to keep guys here close, but if this is the new standard and this is the new norm, Colorado may quickly be out-recruiting what they have here locally. 
I think as long as we're not seeing four and four, five star guys leaving the state, you know, guys upper upper third uh, three star ranks, you know, that's the ones that that really get you. And I, and I do understand that that there is a point in time where yes, you want all these local kids coming here, but. At the same point, just just as a football fan in general, I don't, I don't need to see a kid come here that's never going to see the field. Yeah. You know, let him go to CSU, right? Let let exactly. him let him go play there. Let's recruit the top talent in Colorado. Don't let any of your top recruits get out of the state. That's the big thing there. Right, let's get on to the defense. We already mentioned Antonio Alfano so far, the uh, the blue chip recruit of this class for the University of uh, Colorado. Two other guys in the defensive line, though, Justin Jackson and uh, Julius Coates. Justin Jackson coming out of uh, Mississippi, uh, Senatobia, Senatobia, Senatoba. Mississippi? I don't know why you even tried. Well, I spent a month there one night. <laughs> and, uh, oh, actually, they're both out of uh, Mississippi. One out of Sanitoba, we'll say, and the other out of Scuba, Mississippi. Scuba! Yeah. You ever been scuba diving? Uh, no, but it, it's, it does sound intriguing to me. There's a whole training class that goes into that. Yeah, just give me I have been scuba diving, but I've been snorkeling. Yeah, snorkeling's the way to go. You put your head like a foot under. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my way. To, that's my style. But, yeah. hey, two uh, defensive ends. So, starting to stockpile here on the defensive side. And Coates, 6'6", 270, looks to be more of a power, this is just by size, speculation, looks to be more of a power rusher, you know, someone who can clog things up, opposed to Justin Jackson, who's 6'3", 285, maybe a little quicker off the edge. So a couple guys there on the D-line, uh, cornerback, Jalen Stryker. Any other uh, cornerbacks I'm missing on here, Jared? Uh, there is a transfer, Nigel Bethel, coming okay. in. Um, he's a little guy, 5'11", 160 he's okay. listed at. That's not that um, small. What are you talking about, 5'11"? That's not that small. It's just well, 160. Well, okay, uh, one, say, yeah, a little. <laughs> that, that's. That's yeah. a little skinny guy to be out there. Yeah, maybe, uh, hopefully maybe. he's more at about 180 by the time he's on the field. But he was a recruit originally committed to University of Miami. So another one coming from that southeast. That, and that's I love a big that transfer. They were flipping recruits from Alabama and Miami, not Alabama A&M and Miami of Ohio. That's that's yes. that's a big difference. Yes. And just to touch real quick on the two transfers. So Nigel Bethel there is, uh, is going to be sitting out one season transferring from uh, Miami. Antonio Alfano right now is actually appealing that again. Um, Again, without getting into too many of the details, because I don't know the specifics. Maybe you do a little bit more than me, Tyler. But there was a there was some health concerns within uh, Antonio Alfano's family. Some things that had kind of caused some strain on his ability to attend classes and attend practices. So I do think that he's got a legitimate claim for you know the the exemption to the one year set. Typically, if you transfer from a Division One school to another Division One school, you have to sit out for one season before you can play. You lose one year of eligibility. However, if they deem that there were un, you know, circumstances out of your control that caused you to need to transfer, they will allow you to play immediately. We've seen that number skyrocket recently for, for less and less serious things. So I have to think that Antonio Alfano has a legitimate claim here, and he is appealing that. So we, we should know here well before we turn over to next season whether or not Antonio Alfano will be able to suit up for the buffs and be on the field next year. That's very promising i mean the, these recruiting rules i think that you should be able to i think it's somewhere in the middle because now it's so easy to recruit and to leave and coaches like nick saban are just getting so mad <laughs> because and, and, they and can't stockpile talent anymore without turning this into a completely different conversation I, I think that the broken system that is the ncaa i don't love it you don't love it the way this transfer stuff happening i mean every kid that gets beat out for a starting job now is just is just transferring yeah. and, and and not learning to to deal with that so i don't love that but in this broken system that is it's 
the only leverage that any of these players have when, when your your rights are basically owned by somebody who's not paying paying you to do it. I, I think you do. It, it is the best way to sort of uh, bring it back to the uh, level playing field. There, uh, the one major linebacker I saw sign, Guy Thomas, uh, out of Oklahoma. He looks like. I mean, I'm watching right now highlights or uh, on uh, maxpreps.com. And this guy flies around. Now, he gets in the backfield, a lot of tackles for loss, so he can come up the middle, come off the edge. But it looks like he's also pretty good in pass protection, too. So it's not a one-trick pony. This guy can go all over the field. And we know that in the Pac-12, you can't just be one thing or another. You have to be able to track. You have to be able to tackle. You have to be able to pass defend. And you have to be able to blitz. Well, it looks like he can do all four of these things. Very successful at high school. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, what Guy Thomas can do for the Buffs. And love to see that the, that the Buffs are not sticking in just the United States. They are branching out there again, folks. Oh, we saw gosh. the success from uh, James Stefano coming from Australia. He was a, I think it was rugby or, or professional soccer so, player or something, something down there. under that, mate. Uh, Josh Watts, punter from uh, Pro Kick Australia. Um, yeah, Pro Kick's the team he's playing for oh, in Australia. Okay. So he's not. Uh, right. It just says Australia, Australia on the thing here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a two star. So hey, you know, you, you never really know. But uh, hey, he's worked out so far. Okay, he's a two star, but he's the sixth best kicker in the in the nation. So hi yo. Yeah, and so, hey, we're gonna need a punter next year. No, I don't. I don't look at this whole star things for kickers or punters. But that's huge, and you see a lot of these kickers across the country from Australia. And they're just coming to... Well, they realize they can make a little little bit of money uh, out in America. Yeah, right. The ball. And, and just really quickly to touch on something you just said about the, the, the stars and the rankings. We get so caught up in this. I just want to remind everybody, LaVisca Chenault was a three-star recruit, exactly. guys. So don't get too caught up in these numbers. A lot of times, it's, it's circumstances, it's situations, the team you're playing for, it's how much you're playing as a freshman, a sophomore, a junior. If you're on a stacked team and you don't get on the field to your senior year, you're so far behind the boat in these recruiting that you are probably listening as a two-star guy, and then you might prove your way up to a three-star. But but that's that's a very subjective number. I mean, one of the best recruits uh, that CU ever had was, uh, and I'm slipping on his name. He was such a, a flop was for the running back. Yeah, Daryl Scott. Daryl Scott. Yeah. And 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 look what he was. He was a five-star. Everyone thought this was a lock. Yeah. And and what did he do? Nothing. He never did anything for the Buffs. Yeah, those numbers, very, very tricky. You can't just get hung up on the three, four, five star, but it's promising to see you sign their first five star in over 10 years. Nothing but positive there. And Jared, I just had this thought. So Josh Watts, that punter, when he gets to Boulder, are we going to have to start the campaign like the Watts? You know, like, because like, there's the, too much wattage or something like that. Like, they have to turn the lights out every time we punt it. Oh, the Watts are uh, you know you could get you could get something going there. I think <laughs> I think you get the you get that student section involved. You might get a little. You know what I'm saying going. here yeah, though, right? Yeah, like yeah. sixty watts or whatever. Yeah. It's oh, not, it's, electricity. It's just not that funny. Really? I thought I, I thought I was. Uh, I need to put a crickets button on this sound machine. I guess that's that's what I need. All right. Anyone we miss? Anything else today on the on the recruits, Jared? I think we did a pretty good job. I mean, yeah. I, I, just, I think just yeah. Without going player by player, right. just just know as you scroll think, up and down this list, there's just so much promise in the size, in the in the potential, well, and, and that's and the diversity. Th th when you take a snapshot of this recruiting class, it's nothing but positive. A lot of very very talented guys coming in to a team already bringing back enough talent. Jared, you were you and I were talking this weekend about the amount of guys CU's bringing back without any of these recruits. It's not like these guys are going to have to step in and play immediately. Colorado's a young team. Yeah, and especially when you look at this defense, I'm just getting so excited for, for what Mel Tucker can do with this defense coming over the next year. You, you look at 
going in forward to next year. As of right now, they're only projected to lose three defensive starters that are seniors. That's crazy. Obviously, any of your junior class could declare eligible. I don't see anyone. Nate Landman might be the only one that would even be on anyone's radar right now, but I just don't see him making that jump, that move. He he strikes me as just that that just go getter college right, football guy. Right. You know, I I don't see Boy, him that making would be that a jump. Devastating loss though if Landman did leave. Oh, it would. It would really yes. hurt you, especially because one of the three guys that you are losing is Davion Taylor, who has been a huge impact for the Buffs. And I want to give him a, a little bit of a shout-out here. The Senior Bowl, for those of you who don't know, the Senior Bowl is, is at the very end of the year after bowl season. Anybody who is a graduated senior is able to or is scheduled to graduate, is able to attend that. They get invited to that, and there's only a specific list of people. They basically invite guys they think are going to get drafted because they want to put the guys in front of scouts, in front of uh, NFL GMs, coaching staffs that are going to be there at the Combine, be there for draft day. And Davion Taylor was among the first invitations to go to the, the the Senior Bowl. So the first round of invitations went out. Davion Taylor was on that list. So he is already being recognized nationally as a guy that is on people's radars. Well, look, in terms of raw skill set, that's been part of the, some of the frustration this year for the Buffs. Is you look at this team, and I don't buy for a second all this notion of, oh, they're completely rebuilding. It's a rebuilding mode. This team's no good. Uh, wrong. This team is talented. This team is... Actually, if you look across the offense and defense, very, very talented. Yes. So the idea that, you know, oh, we'll just wait until Mel Tucker gets his guys in here, I've always rejected that. And this is supporting the idea that, look, there are guys on this team who can play. There are There's a lot of talent on this team, both offense and defense. So, yes, Jared, that's been a source of frustration this year for a lot of Buffs fans, but it's a positive to see him get the recognition and to be invited there this year. Yes, and I think... When you talk specifically about the defense, I, I, we talked about all the injuries that have happened this year, and, and that's one of those things. As frustrating as that makes this season, that is huge for you for next year. So we talked about eight returning starters, the only three guys that you're losing, Alex Changum, Mikhail Onu, Davion Taylor. You're basically returning your entire front seven, including three freshmen, D linemen, that have seen significant yeah. playing time. Your entire secondary, so you're losing Aaron Maddox, who, by the way, transferred. He's in the transfer portal right now. That's a surprising one to me. He's in the transfer portal. I feel like we're talking on some science fiction movie. Yeah, right. He's in the transfer <laughs> portal right now. Can we... So that's not a over. done deal, but that looks like he may be leaving. Obviously, we just talked about Mikhail Onu, but... I spotted Trey Udovia on the sidelines again this Ayo. weekend, Tyler. So he's somebody that hopefully gets back in the fold next year. And and I actually think your cornerback group is going to be super You really super think Trey Udovia deep. comes back? I do, yeah. Uh, hey, why else is he on the sidelines? What what else is he doing? I mean, in Philip pads Lindsay on the sidelines. Was, oh, I'm pads. In pads, okay. yeah. <laughs> in full uniform. <laughs> so Lindsay wasn't in pads. He so. may or may not play the rest of this year. You may see him get a little bit of work the rest of this year, but they may take that as like, a, I don't know what, what his redshirt status is and whatnot, but he, I, I do assume he'll be back next year. And then when you look at their cornerback group, Delrick Abrams will be returning. KJ Trujillo has had a ton of experience this year. Will be returning. Tariq Luckett, who is a converted wide receiver, boy, I hope they keep him out there. He looked pretty good this last week yeah. uh, against Stanford. But don't forget, Chris Miller on IR, well, whatever they call it in college. He's, he's out for the rest of the season. Makai Blackman out for the rest of the season. They're going to be stacked on the defensive side of the football, and they're bringing in a ton of good recruits. So I am really, really excited, Tyler, about what this team brings next year offensively maybe a little more of a question mark. There's still a lot of talent, but when you turn over that quarterback, I think you're going to be losing two or three of your starting offensive linemen. This may be more of a defensive-focused team, which I think is what Mel Tucker wants to see anyways. 
Good stuff today. Buffaloes are on a bye week this upcoming week, so enjoy your weekend. Stress-free, right? Don't have to worry about any ups and downs of CU football. Enjoy the week. We'll talk to you next week on the Buffs Nation podcast.